ओम हरि ओम ओम असतोमा सतगमया तमसोमा ज्योतिर्गमया मृत्योर्मा अमृतंगमया ओम शांति 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 O Lord, lead us from your lesser truth to your highest truth. Lead us from darkness to light. Lead us from death to blissful immortality. Om, peace, peace, peace be unto us all. The subject this morning is Chaitanya's prayer, the perfect primer. First, first, for those of you who may not know, who is Chaitanya? Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Mahaprabhu means mighty king or great lord, is regarded by millions in India and elsewhere as an incarnation of God, a reincarnation of Sri Krishna. Many disciples and followers of Sri Ramakrishna also think of Chaitanya as a previous incarnation of our great master. Sri Chaitanya was born in West Bengal, India in 1485. 525 years ago. Swami Vivekananda, after this the Swami will be referred to simply as Swamiji, had this to say about Chaitanya. Swami Vivekananda, I'm sorry, the brightest of India's prophets of comparatively modern times in the north was Chaitanya. This one great northern sage, Chaitanya, represented the mad love of the gopis for Sri Krishna. Chaitanya was a Brahmin, born of one of the most rationalistic families of the day, himself a professor of logic, fighting and gaining a word victory, for this he had learnt from his childhood as the highest ideal of life. And yet, through the mercy of some sage, the whole life of that man became changed. He gave up his fight, his quarrels, his professorship of logic, and became one of the greatest teachers of bhakti the world has ever known, Mad Chaitanya. His bhakti rolled over the whole land of Bengal, bringing solace to everyone. His love knew no bounds, the saint or the sinner, the Hindu or the Mohammedan, the pure or the impure, the prostitute, the streetwalker. All had a share in his love, all had a share in his mercy. End of quote from Swamiji. So here we have a respected Brahmin, a famous pundit of his time, a success, a great success in the world as we usually think of success, and Chaitanya renounces it all to become a wandering monk, dancing madly along the roads and pathways of Bengal, chanting the name of Hari over and over and over again in ecstatic bliss. How could this happen? Listen to Swami Ranganathananda from his book Divine Grace. That is the way in spiritual life. First you strengthen yourself, assert yourself, and then sacrifice yourself. Deny yourself and surrender to God through super strength. That is the correct attitude and way. First comes manliness, then comes saintliness or godliness. Erect your saintliness on your manliness. That will be a powerful saintliness. So work hard, build up your individuality, 
And then when you are strong and spiritually mature, you look up and see a greater courage and a greater strength beckoning you, which makes you experience and say, not I, but thou, thy will be done. End of quote from Swami Ranganathanandaji. Now for the ladies in the audience, I know that the, the, the gender in, in this is not altogether sweet to your ears. It's not uh, politically correct these days. But this is the way the Swamis wrote. And so please, I haven't tried to interpret what they say. Uh, we'll go on. Ranganathananda goes on to develop those thoughts beautifully in his book. He refers to the Bhagavad Gita, the works of Shankaracharya, and many other sources as he writes about how to move from a high state of worldly achievement to a great spiritual awakening. Yet even though his book is pocket size, it would be quite a challenge to memorize all of the Swami's instructions and observations. Not so Sri Chaitanya's Chaitan lesson plan. His primer on how to progress from a confession that one is utterly without devotion to the Lord to saying, do with me what thou wilt, for thou art my heart's beloved, thou and thou alone, is only 45 lines long. That line count is based on the beautiful interpretation of Chaitanya's prayer written by Swami Prabhavananda and Christopher Isherwood. As many of you know, that prayer is repeated in this temple every day after morning meditation. Chaitanya's prayer brings bhakti, devotional spiritual practice, and its goal or result, goal or result, into sharp focus in about three minutes. Its tone and language are intense. It can be thought of as the most beautiful love song ever written. The prayer calls forth the heart's bliss, instructs the mind in how to overcome obstacles, and in the voice of the spiritually awakening heart and mind, speaks lovingly and directly to the divine within. Listen to Chaitanya's simple, straightforward words. Those of you who have it by heart, please repeat the prayer. Please, let's repeat the prayer together. Chant the name of the Lord and his glory unceasingly, that the mirror of the heart may be wiped clean and quench that mighty forest fire, worldly lust, raging furiously within. O name, stream down in moonlight on the lotus heart, opening its cup to knowledge of thyself. O self, drown deep in the waves of his bliss, chanting his name continually, tasting his nectar at every step, bathing in his name that bath for weary souls. Various are thy names, O Lord. In each and every name thy power resides. No times are set, no rites are needful for chanting of thy name. So vast is thy mercy. How huge then is my wretchedness, who find in this empty life and heart no devotion to thy name. O my mind, be humbler than a blade of grass. Be patient and forbearing like the tree. Take no honor to thyself. Give honor to all. Chant unceasingly the name of the Lord. O Lord and soul of the universe, 
Mine is no prayer for wealth or retinue, the playthings of lust or the toys of fame. As many times as I may be reborn, grant me, O Lord, a steadfast love for thee. A drowning man in this world's fearful ocean is thy servant, O sweet one. In thy mercy, consider him as dust beneath thy feet. Ah, how I long for the day when an instant separation from thee, O Govinda, will be as a thousand years, when my heart burns away with its desire, and the world without thee is a heartless void. Prostrate at thy feet, let me be in unwavering devotion, neither imploring the embrace of thine arms, nor bewailing the withdrawal of thy presence, though it tears my soul asunder. O thou who stealest the hearts of thy devotees, do with me what thou wilt, for thou art my heart's beloved, thou and thou alone. We can legitimately call that a primer. It is a short tutorial that covers the basic elements of the subject, and it is memorable. It's interesting to note that in Middle English, primer actually meant devotional manual. So let's begin to unpack the profoundly poetic images of the prayer. The first line, as we would say today, is a flat-out call to action. Repeat the name of the Lord and his glory unceasingly. Repeat the name of the Lord and his glory unceasingly. That's strong, isn't it? Unceasingly. Why should we go to all that trouble? Well, according to the New Testament, the way of the pilgrim, and our own four-square gospel, Sri Ramakrishna, Sarada Devi, Swamiji and Brahmananda, Raja Maharaj, the effects do indeed justify the effort. First, from the New Testament. This was found on the website of the community, the community of the Beatitudes. Quote, We are all called to pray without ceasing, says St. Paul in 1 Thessalonians 5.17. The real question is how. The Jesus prayer provides one good way to pray constantly. Our task is to draw nearer to God. St. Isaac of Syria says that it is impossible to draw near to God by any means other than increasing prayer. End of quote from the community. Next from the book The Way of the Pilgrim, these quotes are on the website hermitary.com. Quote, the pilgrim recalls how he heard St. Paul's admonition to pray ceaselessly and had set out to discover how. He finds an Eastern Orthodox teacher, a Staritz. It is the simple advice of the Staritz that falls like a revelation upon his ears, the teacher said. Sit down in silence, lower your head, shut your eyes, breathe out gently and imagine yourself looking into your own heart. Carry your mind, that is, your thoughts, from your head to your heart. As you breathe out, say, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. Say it moving your lips gently or say it in your mind. Try to put all other thoughts aside. Be calm, be patient, and repeat the process very frequently. 
And that is all. Soon as the starts had suggested, the pilgrim found the prayer at his lips and in his mind every waking hour, as spontaneous and effortless as his breath itself. End of quote from Hermitary.com. Finally, some quotes from our four-square gospel. Sri Ramakrishna said to a devotee, Japa means silently repeating God's name in solitude. When you chant his name with single-minded devotion, you can see God's form and realize him. Suppose there is a piece of timber sunk in the waters of the Ganges and fastened with a chain to the bank. You proceed, link by link, holding to the chain, and you dive into the water and follow the chain. Finally, you're able to reach the timber. In the same way, by repeating God's name, you become absorbed in him and finally realize him. Sri Sarada Devi, the Holy Mother. The mantra purifies the body. Man becomes pure by repeating the name of God, so repeat his name always. The name of God is more powerful than the senses. Prayer to God makes your heart as pure as the star. As a result of sincere and regular japa and meditation, you will find that God will speak to you. All your desires will be fulfilled, and you will experience pure bliss. Even the injunctions of destiny are canceled if one takes refuge in God. Destiny strikes off with her own hands what she has written about such a person. Swamiji. Prayer and praise are the first means of growth. Repeating the names of God has a wonderful power. Mantra is a special word or sacred text or name of God chosen by the guru for repetition and reflection by the disciple. The disciple must concentrate on a personality for prayer and praise. These words, mantras, are not sounds of words, but God himself, and we have them within us. Think of him, speak of him, no desire for the world. Buddha's Sermon on the Mount was, As thou thinkest, so art thou. Raja Maharaj, Swami Brahmananda, the guru of the founder of this place. Practice japam and meditation regularly. Do not miss even one day. Try repeatedly to steady the mind by fixing it on a name or form of God, and at last you will become absorbed in him. If you continue your practice for two or three years, you will begin to feel an unspeakable joy, and the mind will become steady. At first, you must forcibly pour the thought of God into your mind. Then as you persist, you will be flooded with joy. Well, as a TV reporter might put it, all the great teachers we have interviewed agree. The effects do indeed justify the effort. So what does Chaitanya himself say are the effects of unceasingly chanting the Lord's name? He starts with two summary assertions. The mirror of the heart may be wiped clean and quench that mighty forest fire, worldly lust, raging furiously within. The mirror of the heart may be wiped clean 
and quenched that mighty forest fire, worldly lust, raging furiously within. First assertion, the mirror of the heart will be wiped clean. A senior Swami of the order was asked about this image. He said, quote, Repetition of the name, your mantra, is like a very soft cloth, slowly and slowly, very naturally, wiping away layer after layer of accumulated dust, until at last is revealed an ancient mirror and an image in that mirror of unimaginable, incomparable beauty. That mirror both is and reflects the self, your, un, your inmost being, your true original nature. That mirror both is and reflects the self, your inmost being, your true original nature. That's breathtaking. That which we yearn and yearn for as we run after this and that, that and this, as we chase the divine, the truth, in its limited forms, distorted and diluted by maya, it is, always has been, right here, waiting for us. Second assertion. That mighty forest fire, worldly lust, that mighty forest fire, worldly lust, raging furiously within, will be quenched, extinguished. In the immortal words of Monty Python, it will be a dead parrot. <laughs> Sri Chaitanya promises that if we indeed chant the name of the Lord and his glory unceasingly, the forest fire of lust for the world raging furiously within will be dead. Can any of us pretend we don't know what that mighty forest fire is? Cartoonists have our number, don't they? Think of an animated film that features some young guy cruising in his convertible. He passes an attractive young lady strolling down the street and boing! His eyes, his cartoon eyes, pop right out of his head. They pop right out of his head as he ogles that woman. What the artist is showing us is that our senses don't just sit quietly and wait for sensations. No, no. They reach out, to, they reach out for stimulus. They rage after what they desire. And they argue with us vehemently when we try to restrain them. Maybe you're driving down the avenue when you spot a sign that says, if it's something sweet, cold, and creamy you crave, come to McDonald's for an ice cream cone. Only 69 cents. Good ad copy, hmm? Gotcha. But you think to yourself reasonably, yes, but I know perfectly well I don't need that cone, those extra empty calories. And the mind right away talks back, but it's low fat. <laughs> and it's only 69 cents. Unless you yield to that voice of temptation as you drive by the McDonald's in the next block, the senses that crave that sweet, cold, and creamy treat will probably chatter at you all the way home. And when you get there, they will remind you there is a fudgesicle in the freezer. <laughs> Swamiji, in his commentary on Patanjali's Yoga Sutras and elsewhere, offers detailed explanations of how Chaitanya's promise is actually kept. For here and now, suffice it to say that Swamiji affirms 
that chanting the name Japa, Nama, actually does calm the mind so deeply that lust for the things of the world loses its grip on your consciousness and on your actions. Okay, let's hit subtotal. In four poetically charged lines, Chaitanya has made his case for what you are to do. Chant the Lord's name and glory unceasingly, and the results you can expect to achieve if you do as he asks. Your true original nature will be revealed in all its splendor. Your experience of that splendor will no longer be fragmented, lost among the ever-self-renewing, unsatisfiable cravings of the senses. Now, Sri Taichanya begins his instructions. First, he says, ask the Lord directly for what you need to begin, what you need to move ahead. He says, O name, stream down in moonlight on the lotus heart. O name, stream down in moonlight on the lotus heart, opening its cup to knowledge of thyself. And that phrase, the key words are name. Notice Chaitanya does not say which name, just O name. As you say the prayer, you don't need to replace that word with any particular name of the Lord. Chaitanya explains why a few lines later. Moonlight. First, a suggestion that the calm of night is a good time for spiritual practice. And second, perhaps in a nod in the direction, perhaps a nod in the direction of Chaitanya's beloved Sri Krishna. In the Gita, Krishna says, among the stars of night, I am the moon. Lotus Heart from the Mundaka Upanishad. The self exists in man within the lotus of the heart and is the master of his life and of his body. With mind illumined by the power of meditation, the wise know him, the blissful, the immortal. Swami Yatishwarananda, who was a disciple of Brahmananda and served as a vice president of the Ramakrishna Math, commented, The spiritual aspirant feels there is a lotus at the level of the heart, the petals of which are directed downwards. When this center is reached by the meditating mind, the bud of the lotus opens and the petals get directed upward. The lotus blooms. And so it becomes the cup ready to receive the knowledge of God for which you are praying. Next words, knowledge of thyself. What is this knowledge? Let's reprise some quotes from our four-square gospel about the nature of this knowledge. Ramakrishna said, When you chant his name with single-minded devotion, you can see God's form and realize him. Sarada Devi, As a result of sincere and regular japa and meditation, you will find that God will speak to you. Swamiji, the disciple must concentrate on a personality for prayer and praise. These words, mantras, are not the sounds of words, but God himself, and we have them within us. 
Raja Maharaj. If you continue your practice for two or three years, you will begin to feel an unspeakable joy and the mind will become steady. So this knowledge is not book learning. It's not theoretical musings. It's not something heard from a speaker on Sunday morning. It is direct experiential knowledge of God, yourself, found within. Chaitanya then speaks directly to that self. O self, drowned deep in the waves of his bliss, chanting his name continually, tasting his nectar at every step. O self, drowned deep in the waves of his bliss, chanting his name continually, tasting his nectar at every step. Ramakrishna said, Dive deep, O mind, dive deep in the ocean of God's beauty. If you can plunge to the uttermost depths, there you can find the gem of love. There you can find the gem of love. Like Om, love is a single word that says what God is. Another name for God, a more complex word, is Satchitananda. That bliss Chaitanya speaks of is, so to speak, one-third of that term. Yet Satchitananda cannot be separated. So when you dive deep, when your mind is drowned in the continual chanting of the name, you are immersed not just in bliss, but in the totality, in the totality of inseparable existence, knowledge, bliss, absolute. Therefore, when you truly are chanting his name continually, when your entire consciousness is suffused with the nectar of his being, Satchitananda itself transforms you. Your actions, karma, will change. And as Holy Mother said, even the injunctions of destiny are canceled. Destiny strikes off with her own hands, off with her own hands, what she has written about such a person. A few words about this bliss, one of the first tangible results of regular spiritual practice. Swamiji was asked about that. A devotee said, or asked, Sometimes sitting at Japa, one gets joy at first, but then one seems to be disinclined to continue the Japa owing to that joy. Should it be continued then? Swamiji's answer. Yes, that joy is a hindrance to spiritual practice, its name being rasasvadana, tasting of the sweetness. One must rise above that. Rise above it. And in Swamiji's immortal phrase, Stop not till the goal is reached. Chaitanya continues, still speaking to the self within, bathing in his name, that bath for weary souls. Some of you knew Peter Schneider, Hiranyagarbha. This was his favorite line in this, in Chaitanya's prayer. Bathing in his name, that bath for weary souls. If your soul is not weary, Chaitanya's bath probably will not be of much interest. If it is, then as, then as Holy Mother said, man becomes pure by repeating the name of God. 
So repeat his name always. This will make your heart as pure as the star. Chaitanya now turns again to praise that almighty God whose knowledge streams down in moonlight on the lotus heart. Various are thy names, O Lord, in each and every name thy power resides. No times are set, no rites are needful for chanting of thy name. So vast is thy mercy. This is the subject for another talk, really. But Chaitanya the mad devotee also was a rebel against religious bigotry. That fanatical devotion to one form or name of God denouncing all others. And the incrustation of priestcraft, the insistence that a schedule of esoteric rites, rituals, and ceremonies performed by others is necessary to attract God's compassion and grace. Chaitanya was another of India's great reformers, restoring eternal Vedic truths and traditions, and forthrightly denouncing both religious bigots and greedy priests. Not surprisingly, Swamiji clearly echoes these thoughts. Japa is repeating the holy name. Through this, the devotee rises to the infinite. This boat of sacrifice and ceremonies is very frail. We need more than that to know God. It is not necessary to go through all these ceremonials to reach the meaning of Vedanta. So, having celebrated the Lord's omnipotence, liberality, and compassion, Chaitanya now speaks for the first time in the voice of the devotee. In three stunning lines, the aspirant confesses, How huge then is my wretchedness, who find in this empty life and heart no devotion to thy name. Various are thy names, O Lord, in each and every name thy power resides. No times are set, no rites are needful for chanting of thy name, so vast is thy mercy. How huge then is my wretchedness, who find in this empty life and heart no devotion to thy name. This is the crux, the turning point of Chaitanya's prayer. This recognition that through the, though the Lord offers, this is the crux, the turning point of Chaitanya's prayer. This recognition that though the Lord offers to take the yoke from his heavy laden shoulders, the devotee is as yet unbending and cannot kneel so that the yoke can be removed. What courage it takes to make such a statement. This is not the mea culpa of a weakling. It is a powerful, honest recognition of bitter truth. The aspirant's wretchedness is of his own making. As Swami Ranganathananda said, you deny yourself and surrender to God through super strength. That is the correct attitude and way. When you are strong and spiritually mature, you look up and see a greater courage and a greater strength beckoning you, which makes you experience and say, not I, but thou, thy will be done.
And so the aspirant soliloquy continues, first directed within. O my mind, be humbler than a blade of grass. Be patient and forbearing like the tree. Take no honor to thyself. Give honor to all. Chant unceasingly the name of the Lord. O my mind, be humbler than a blade of grass. Be patient and forbearing like the tree. Take no honor to thyself. Give honor to all. Chant unceasingly the name of the Lord. Now the game is really on. The devotee reviews step by step what must be done to break his unbending pride to gain devotion. Swami Yatishwarananda once told a young man who is now a senior monk in the order, for every one step forward spiritually, you must take two steps ethically. For every one step forward spiritually, you must take two steps ethically. Those are ethical steps, humbler than the blade of grass, patient, forbearing, taking no honor to thyself, giving honor to all. Ethical steps. Next, addressing the Lord, the devotee affirms that he no longer yearns after the attractions of worldly life. O Lord and soul of the universe, mine is no prayer for wealth or retinue, the playthings of lust or the toys of fame. O Lord and soul of the universe, mine is no prayer for wealth or retinue, the playthings of lust or the toys of fame. Instead, the aspirant now prays for the highest. As many times as I may be reborn, grant me, O Lord, a steadfast love for thee. As many times as I may be reborn, grant me, O Lord, a steadfast love for thee. A quick note about being reborn. Listen to this verse from the Devi Mahatmyam, 700 mantras on Sri Durga, the Divine Mother. Salutation be to you, O Narayani, O you who in the form of minutes, moments, and other divisions of time bring about change in things and have thus the power to destroy the universe. Based on this idea and on Sarada Devi's promise that even the injunctions of destiny are canceled if one takes refuge in God, it is possible to think that you do not need to wait for another lifetime for your life to change. It's possible you can be reborn and Mother can grant you that steadfast love for her this instant, this very instant. Since we can't imagine that any word of this prayer was written carelessly, Chaitanya was, after all, a master logician. It could be that in these next very dramatic lines, the Mahaprabhu also makes a wee joke. He wrote, A drowning man in this world's fearful ocean is thy servant, O sweet one. In thy mercy, consider him as dust beneath thy feet. A drowning man in this world's fearful ocean is thy servant, O sweet one. In thy mercy, consider him as dust beneath thy feet. If in his mercy 
the Lord makes you part of the dust beneath his feet, it's pretty clear your drowning days are over. Where is the world's fearful ocean then? Naturally, there's, there's much more to these four lines than a sort of spiritual jest. In seed form, they point toward one of the relationships one can have with the divine, the attitude of a servant. Ramakrishna once said to him, the man who wrote the Gospel of Sri Ramakrishna, In order to realize God, one must assume one of these attitudes, Santa, Dasya, Sakya, Vatsalya, or Madhur. Dasya is the attitude of a servant toward his master. Hanuman had this attitude toward Rama. He felt the strength of a lion when he worked for Rama. In the next lines of the prayer, we hear a devotee whose transformation is nearly complete. Unceasing repetition of the Lord's name has filled the, dev the devotee's mind with the Lord's presence. All thought of worldly pleasure has vanished. All that remains is an, in is an intense yearning for the beloved, called Govinda, a name of Krishna. Chaitanya writes, Ah, how I long for the day when an instant separation from thee, O Govinda, will be as a thousand years, when my heart burns away with its desire, and the world without thee is a heartless void. Ah, how I long for the day when an instant separation from thee, O Govinda, will be as a thousand years, when my heart burns away with its desire, and the world without thee is a heartless void. And in the last nine lines, Chaitanya summarizes the final stage of his devotional spiritual practice, the Madhura Bhava. This is the complete selfless attitude or mood represented by the relationship of Sri Radha to Sri Krishna in their Leela in Vrindavan. Sri Ramakrishna called the Madhur attitude Chaitanya's greatest contribution to the spiritual world. Ramakrishna said, Madhur is the attitude of a woman toward her, her paramur. Madhur is the attitude of a woman toward her paramur. This attitude includes all the other four. The last nine lines of Chaitanya's prayer are, Prostrate at thy feet, let me be in unwavering devotion, neither imploring the embrace of thine arms, nor bewailing the withdrawal of thy presence, though it tears my soul asunder. O thou who stealest the hearts of thy devotees, do with me what thou wilt, for thou art my heart's beloved, thou and thou alone. Prostrate at thy feet, let me be in unwavering devotion neither imploring the embrace of thine arms, nor bewailing the withdrawal of thy presence, though it tears my soul asunder. O thou who stealest the hearts of thy devotees, do with me what thou wilt, for thou art my heart's beloved, thou and thou alone. Shall we think of this poetry as only an intense description of the ultimate state the devotee achieves by chanting the name of the Lord and his glory unceasingly? It is that, of course. 
But according to Swami Sharadananda, one of the foremost disciples, direct disciples of Sri Ramakrishna, there is a great philosophy behind it, behind it that accurately describes the truth of our being. In his book, The Great Master, Sardananda writes, quote, Chaitanya at first placed before spiritual aspirants the ideals of extraordinary renunciation and detachment by practicing them in his own life, and afterwards pointed out that if one became pure and holy and looked on oneself as a woman and on God as one's husband, one can truly realize the unlimited divine bliss in the subtle, ideal world. Chaitanya taught that Sri Krishna, the Supreme Self, the embodiment of existence, knowledge, bliss, Satchidananda, is the only male principle, and all the jivas and creatures, both gross and subtle, are embodiments of supreme love and are therefore his wives. So if jivas become pure and holy and wholeheartedly worship him as their husband, they attain by his grace liberation and unlimited bliss, the goal of their lives. This is the long and the short of the Madhura Bhava preached by Chaitanya. All the other devotional moods are included in that one great mood. Sardananda continues, Although in the eyes of modern people the Madhura Bhava appears to be unnatural and unbecoming for those who have male bodies, it does not take long for a Vedantin to ascertain its proper value. The consciousness of I am possessed of a body, which is, I'm going to repeat that, the consciousness of I am possessed of a body, which is the basis of all other impressions of the human mind and the firm belief I am a man or a woman on account of contact with that body, are two ingrained habits of thought, or samskaras, that are most powerful. When the male aspirant is able to forget his male nature by attributing the nature of the husband to the divine Lord and of the wife to himself, he, it is needless to say, can very easily throw off as well the mood, I am his wife, and reach the state beyond all moods. Therefore, a Vedantin finds it quite reasonable that an aspirant, when perfect in the discipline of the Madhura Bhava, should arrive very near the plane transcending all moods. End of quote from the great master. That perfection, says Chaitanya, is the goal, the end. The beginning is, chant the name of the Lord and his glory unceasingly, that the mirror of the heart may be wiped clean and quench that mighty forest fire, worldly lust, raging furiously within. Thank you. Guru Brahma, Guru Vishnu, Guru Devo Maheshwara, Guru Sakshat Parabrahma, Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha, 
Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Om Shanti 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 Guru is that which dispels the darkness. Guru is Brahma the creator. Guru is Vishnu the preserver. Guru is Vishnu. Uh, Guru is Shiva the transformer. Guru is the supreme being manifest in human form. To that supreme divine teacher, I offer my heartfelt salutations, reverence, and gratitude again and again and again. Om, peace be unto us all.